Well, this past week was certainly a big week. I don't know if you've noticed, but they finally turned the Christmas trees on in all the roundabouts in town. So there's one in particular that they've had up for several weeks now, and the lights have been off. And every time we go around it, Milo's like, can we just go around and around? I'm like, not until the lights are on. So last week when we came home from the store, the lights were on, made her day. And so if you see our car going around in circles, nothing's wrong. So, so Charles Spurgeon is a well-known preacher. Some of you may have heard of him, some of you may not, but he was a well-known preacher who lived in London during the late 1800s. I encourage you to look him up sometimes if you aren't too familiar with him or his work. But anyway, during his time when he was preaching, as I said, he was a renowned preacher. He preached to thousands of people at a time. He had this huge building that he was able to preach in, And during this time, there were these five young college students who were visiting London, the city in which he lived. They wanted to hear the famous Spurgeon preach, and so they went, and they got there super early so they could get a good seat. And as they were waiting, this man came up to them, and he said, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Do you want to see the heating plant of this church? They didn't really want to see it, especially because it was July and it was extremely hot. But they didn't want to offend this man, so they agreed to it. And so he started to give them a tour. He opened, went down these stairs and opened the store very quietly. And when they looked in the door, what they saw surprised them greatly. They saw 700 people on their knees in prayer, praying for the service that was going to start taking place shortly above them. The man looked to them and said, this is our heating plant. Now, for those of you not familiar with Britain, that's their terminology for energy. So he was saying that that was what was powering their service. These students were very surprised, and then the man softly closed the door and introduced himself to them. He was none other than Charles Spurgeon himself. So this morning, we're going to wrap up our series on Habakkuk and look at faithfulness in prayer. Now, while our text this morning is Habakkuk chapter 3, We'll be focusing in on verses 1 through 2 and 16 through 19. Now. So a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet feel like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Now, as we look at the prophet Habakkuk, again, if you haven't noticed, it's a difficult word to say, so <laughs> might be a little bit of a process this morning getting through it. I practice, but we'll get through it. So we know that it was a pretty intense season that he was going through. We've seen how he's called out to God two times and how God's responded two times. And today we're going to look at his final response to God and his discovering the secret of living in the form of a prayer, or some of it might, as some might refer to it, a prayer psalm. 
My first point this morning is that we are called to be intercessors. Now, while this prayer takes up all of chapter 3, I don't think you want to hear me preach for several hours this morning. So we're going to focus instead on two key parts of it. In verses 1 through 2, we see Habakkuk's initial response to what God had revealed to him. He was praying because he heard God speak to him and reveal what he was going to do, or in this case, what he was not going to do. When we hear the word of God, it produces faith in our hearts, which is critical because without faith, we cannot effectively pray. Habakkuk was praying because he was overwhelmed by God's splendor. He saw a vision of the greatness of God, and it left him weak and helpless to the point that all he could do was cry out to God. Now, for many, this isn't exactly what you think of as a result of getting to know God in a deeper way. But we know from scriptures this is usually the result. Moses trembled at Mount Sinai when God gave him the law. Joshua fell on his face before the Lord, as did David. Daniel became exhausted and ill after seeing the visions God gave him. The vision of Christ's glory on the Mount of Transfiguration left Peter, James, and John on the ground and filled with terror. A.W. Tozer said, To know God is at once the easiest and the most difficult thing in the world. You see, God wants to reveal himself to his creation, but the problem is he has to find believers who are ready and genuinely are wanting to seek a deep relationship with him and not just an experience. He wants to reveal himself to those who are truly willing to give up everything in order to follow him. This is no easy thing to do, as the people I just listed showed by their reactions when God revealed himself to them. Habakkuk was praying because he wanted God's work to succeed. In chapter 1, verse 5, God told him that he was going to work a work. Now, Habakkuk complained that he didn't want to die. It's a pretty normal thing to complain about. I would too, probably. But he was complaining that he didn't want to die, and God didn't exactly respond in probably the way he wanted him to. He told him to simply have faith, which he did, and we'll come back to that in a moment. He was praying that God would have mercy on his nation. Now, he understood that they had turned away from God time and time again, and he knew they deserved to be wiped out. But still, he was praying that God would have mercy on them, just as Moses did when he prayed for God to spare his people. There's a story that some years ago, there was this young girl who was very sick. She wasn't expected to recover. But because of her love for Jesus, she was very troubled that she wasn't able to do more for him in her short life. Her pastor suggested that she make a list of people in their little town who needed Christ and pray that they might put their faith in him. So she took his advice and made a list and prayed for each one individually. Sometime later, God began to stir a revival in the town. The girl heard of people who were coming to Christ and prayed even more. As she heard reports, she checked off the names of those who had been led to the Lord. After this girl passed away, a prayer list with the names of 56 people were found under her pillow. All had put their faith in Christ, the last one the night before her death. Such is the power of definite, specific, and fervent prayer. 
If you've ever found yourself discouraged over the state of the world around us or your own spiritual life, take time and pray that God will show you his mercy. Charles Spurgeon said, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. The greatest need of the world, the greatest need for the world and for the church today is intercessors. There's nothing that we cannot take before God. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to lift up others to him in prayer. As Habakkuk learned, we can ask God anything. He might not give it to us, but he will always hear us. A second point is that we need to confess our faith in Christ. There are many examples of people throughout scripture who showed great faith. But Habakkuk's confession of faith in verses 16 through 19 is considered by many to be one of the greatest examples. We spent the past two weeks talking about how he took his request to God. And we saw last week how God answered him. Now we're going to wrap up seeing how he responded to God's answer. Remember, as he's praying this prayer, he knows what's going to happen to his beloved nation. It will soon be attacked by a merciless enemy. Many people in the nation of Israel will be taken captive and sent to exile, and many others will die. The land will be ruined, its cities destroyed, right along with the temple that that the Israelites found their identity in for so long even if they did not worship God the way they were supposed to. This temple was a symbol of their nationality. Habakkuk knew all these things were going to happen, and he still responded in faith, telling God that he will trust him no matter what happens. As we take some time to look at this confession of faith, there's three things we can take from it and apply to our lives. The first is to wait. Verse 16 says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Even though Habakkuk had great faith, it didn't mean he wasn't scared about what was going to happen. I mean, look at the first part of this verse. His heart was pounding. How many of you have ever experienced your heart beating so fast that you could just feel it pounding within your body? This is what he was feeling. His lips were quivering at the sound of the enemy. His legs were trembling. Think about what it must have been like to experience these things. But throughout all these, even amidst these things, he said, I will wait upon the Lord. And when Habakkuk looked ahead to the future, He saw his nation heading towards destruction. When he looked within himself, he saw himself trembling with fear. When he looked around him, he saw everything falling apart. But when he looked up by faith, he saw God and his fears disappear. To walk by faith means to focus not on what's around, not on what's coming in the future, but to focus on God and his glory. One strong sign of faith is being able to wait on God and not trying to get ahead of him. Two people who learned this lesson in scripture were Abraham when he married Hagar and had Ishmael, and Moses when he tried to provide water for the Israelites on his own. And in both cases, they had to pay a dear price for their impatience. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In quietness and trust is your strength. 
Habakkuk was able to wait quietly because he knew that God was at work around him. Two weeks ago, Pastor Theo shared how God is never oblivious to what you're going through. This is true today, and it was true for Habakkuk. He knew that God knew about the pain and distress that he and his nation were under, and he knew that God was in control. How many of you have ever found yourself having car troubles when you aren't at home? Anyone? Am I the only one, really? Wow. All right. Well, there's never a good time to have car trouble, but it always seems to come at the worst possible time. A while back, I shared a moving truck story before, but it's been quite a while, so I think it's time for another one, because I've got a lot. Well, when we moved here, we left our stuff in storage where we used to live, and so I rented a 26-foot moving truck to bring it out to Greenfield. For some of you, that's no big deal, but for me, that was a big learning curve, learning to drive a truck that big. I mean, I did like the air horn that came with it, but still, (laughs) it was a big learning curve. But by the time I got to Ohio, I was starting to get used to it. I was getting in the groove. I was getting comfortable. I felt like a truck driver. I was just cruising the highways. And then all of a sudden, this high-pitched squeal starts coming from the dashboard. Now, this wasn't your typical dinging alarm you have in a car. This was a very high-pitched squeal. I'm like, that can't be good. But with my car, you usually ignore the warning light for a little bit. It's fine. (laughs) And then the truck started to lose power, which, again, isn't a fun thing to do when you're on a highway. So I was able to get off on an exit, and I called the rental company, and they're like, well, if you can get to the next exit, we have a maintenance center there that can take care of you. They assured me that it would be safe to get back on the highway, so I took their word for it. I got back on the highway and went 30 miles an hour to the next exit. And once I got there, and once I saw that maintenance center in sight, I was overcome with relief. I cruised in, I parked right in front of the door, I didn't care how bad of a parking job I did, it was now their problem. It was up to them to figure out the issue. You see, I had absolutely no idea what was wrong with that truck. I had no idea how to fix it. But the mechanics that worked at this center did. So I just sat back, stopped worrying, and let them take over. You might have a similar story, where you might have been broken down on the side of the road and couldn't do anything about it. But then someone, whether it be a tow truck or someone that could help you get your problem solved and get you back on the feet, brought that instant relief because they're able to take over and do what you're unable to do on your own. In order to get back on the road, I had to wait and be patient. To wait a very long time, but I had to be patient for them to fix that truck. While they didn't have trucks in the Bible, Habakkuk had to wait with patience, knowing that God was at work, even if he couldn't see it at the time. We already know that God is at work in and around our lives. And when we know this, we can afford to wait quietly and let him work in his timing and in the way he wants to. Not only are we able to wait, but God tells us to so many times in Scripture. One major example is Psalm 46.10 when it says, To be still and know that I am God. Whenever we find ourselves getting worked up inside over something that's happening, We need to follow Habakkuk's example to stop, pray, and wait on the Lord. When we do this, we'll be able to avoid making mistakes like Abraham or Moses did that will cost us dearly. What is it that's getting you worked up inside? 
We've talked about all the things going on in the world around us, whether it be conflicts, wars, politics, divisiveness. There's more than enough things in our culture to get us worked up. There's also things in your personal life that could be getting you worked up. Last week was Thanksgiving, a time when families gather together and celebrate what they're thankful for. For many families, this is a great time of fun and food and fellowship, but for many others, it's the farthest thing from enjoyable. If you have strained relationships with family members, it can make it less enjoyable as you're navigating these relationships. Or maybe you're worked up from a harsh work environment, or maybe you're worked up from those unplanned house repairs. Again, is there ever really a good time for something to stop working? Whatever it is for you, the first thing to do is to pray. The second is much harder, and that is to give it over to God and wait for him, remembering that he might not act in the way we expect or in the time we expect, but he does hear us and is there for us. We just need to be still and know that he is God and he does hear us. The second thing we can take from Habakkuk's confession of faith is to rejoice. Now when you think about what he's preparing to go through, the trauma he's getting ready to go through, the first thing that we would think of is probably not going to be rejoicing. Now if I was in his situation and God answered my prayers the way I wanted, he came through and kept the nation from being destroyed, then yes, I would be rejoicing. But remember, Habakkuk knew that the coming destruction was still going to happen. The last point was to wait or to be still, but that doesn't mean to just wait around and do nothing. While we're waiting, we should be rejoicing for who God is and his incredible majesty, whether we get what we want or not. By the time Babylon would be finished with their work, with their work in Judah, buildings would be destroyed. Treasures would be looted, farms and orchards would be destroyed, and the economy would have disintegrated in ruin. There would have been very little to rejoice over, at least in Judah. But we know, and Habakkuk knew, that God was still on his throne. He was still working his divine purposes for his people. He may not have been able to rejoice in the circumstances, but he could rejoice in his God, as we can here today. Paul also addresses addresses this in his first letter to the Thessalonians when he wrote, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Habakkuk realized that God was his strength, his song, and more importantly, his salvation, and that because of this, he had nothing to fear. Have you ever found yourself in an unfamiliar place at night, or maybe in a room or building in the dark. Or maybe it was a familiar place and it just seemed darker than normal, and you just find yourself casually whistling, trying to build up your courage in that darkness. Well, this is one thing, it's something else entirely, to literally sing out loud about our eternal God, who will never leave us or forsake us. As I said in verse 16, we can see how Habakkuk's lips were literally trembling and his legs were shaking. There have been many times in my life when I've been scared, but never to this point. Can you imagine going through this fear, this terror? And what's so inspiring is that throughout this pain and terror and fear, he burst into song and worshipped God. This is also a reminder of Paul and Silas, who were in chains in prison. 
And in the same way, through their discomfort and pain, they sing praises to God in the night. And we know that God performed a mighty miracle when their chains came off and their cell doors opened. Unfortunately for Habakkuk, he would not see such a miracle for his beloved nation. And he knew that. But again, he worshipped God just as much as if God did perform such a miracle. In our first point, I talked about waiting and being still rather than trying to get ahead of God by solving your own problems. I talked about how as we are waiting, we should sing praises to God. Just as important, we should continue to worship God despite the results. We might get a response like Paul and Silas, or we might get a response like Habakkuk. Obviously, it's easier to praise God when things are going good, or he just performed a great miracle in our life. It's much more challenging to continue to worship him indefinitely when we feel like we're alone or that he is not hearing us. But in these times, God will give us songs in the night if only we will continue to trust him and see his greatness. The third and final thing we can see from Habakkuk's confession of faith is to rely. Specifically, to rely on the Lord. When you find that your legs are shaking and your heart is beating, what do you normally want to do? Or what should you normally do? Most people will say you sit down, you rest and relax, so that your heart can slow down and your legs can have a chance to rest up. This isn't exactly what Habakkuk did. He bound up a mountain like a deer. Because of the faith he had in God, he was able to be as sure-footed as a deer. He's able to run swifter and go up higher on that mountain than he'd ever gone before. Through that trial he'd been facing and how he responded to God amidst the trial, he was able to be strengthened. When we go through trials, they can either bring us down or they can build us up. How we respond during these trials is what decides what the results will be like. These trials, the trials we face, should draw us closer to God. They should lift us above the circumstances we're enduring so that we can walk on the heights with God. If God's allowing us to go through the valleys, it's often so that he can then lift us up, lift us up on wings like eagles, as we can see in Isaiah 40. I heard a saying this last week that said, if you're on a mountaintop, you'll usually have to go through a valley to get to the next one. And this is what David experienced when he was being chased by his enemies. By Saul, when he wrote Psalm 18, 32, and 33, he said, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me up on high places. We may not be chased by jealous kings and their armies, but we definitely have valleys or low points that we go through. You might be going through one now, I don't have to give you examples of what a valley might look like for you. If you're going through it, you will know it. Just as David and Habakkuk did, when we rely on God and God alone for strength, he'll lift us up out of those valleys. He'll give us strength to get through them if only we completely rely on him as our ultimate source of strength. But again, we need to remember that it might not be in the way we expect or desire, but God will always hear us and never abandon us. In today's text, we see how Habakkuk teaches us to take our doubts, questions, trials, and difficulties and humbly give them to God, to wait on him, and to worship him no matter the results, and to rely rely on him for strength. 
The bottom line this morning is that God doesn't always change the circumstances, but he can change us to meet the circumstances. This is what it means to live by faith. My first application point this morning is that we need to be ready for God to reveal himself. When you stop and think about what it must have been like to experience God's presence like Habakkuk did, it's easy to say, oh, I want that. But remember, God wants to reveal himself to his people, but his people have to be ready. They have to be ready for more than just a sampling of life with God. He wants us to be all in, willing to give up everything so that there's nothing standing between us and him. If we want God to reveal himself to us, we have to be willing to give up those things that come between him and us. We have to be ready and expectant for God to move in our lives, as well as those around us. My second application point is that we need to be intercessors. Who is it you can be interceding in prayer for? Think about that young girl I talked about earlier. She felt like she didn't do enough for Jesus and went on to intercede for people in her community, people who did not know Christ, and every single one of them became believers before she passed away. What is it that you can be interceding before? We already talked about how crazy the world is around us. What would it look like for you to, instead of worrying about it, to bring it before God and leave it at his feet? What would it look like for you to intercede for our church and its leaders on a regular basis? God wants us to intercede for others. He calls us to be intercessors. Take some time this afternoon and make a prayer list that you can pray over regularly. Or maybe you already have one. What do you need to do to update that list? My final point is we need to be still, rejoice, and rely on God for strength. You know the importance of prayer, but it's just as important to remain steadfast in Christ, despite the outcome of those prayers you're praying. I know that's not always what we like to hear, and that it's hard to do. But when you, want, when you find yourself wanting to lose hope because it seems like your prayer isn't being answered, or isn't being answered the way you like, remember Habakkuk, how he waited, how he was still how he continued to worship God through the hardships he was facing, and how he was able to rely on God for strength to get through those things. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. God, I just ask that you would help us to look at Habakkuk and the testimony that he's given us, God, that you would help us to just go before you in prayer, God, that you would help us to wait and even when you don't respond the way we think you should or the way we want, that you would help us to continue to rely on you, that you would help us to sing praises to you, God, and worship you, even when that might be the last thing we want to do. God, I just ask all these things in your name.